Hi, I'm Jamie Winker. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. HRT and FPR sweep the races. When you see the fans on the side of the track, there are so many blue flags on that inlet. One, two, it means more to them than anything. To have a race win and to go one, two with James is, um, you know, I'm sure JC probably like it the other way, but, um, you know, we've both got a pretty big smile on our face right now. And the new CEO sets his agenda. Pressure here as CEO of the V8 Supercars to, you know, turn elements of the business around. It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. HST has reset its season with a 1-2 effort at Townsville on Sunday. Garth Dander taking victory in race 21. It's an absolute credit to the guys because we have had to work incredibly hard this weekend. We've had, obviously, well documented. We had to fly stuff up overnight on Friday night. Uh, so it was a, a really a full team effort. The HRT guys, the, the super cheap guys in the Walkinshaw Racing Garage, the guys back at Clayton, everyone was involved in this one. And, um, you know, we've been working really hard all the way to this point. Um, we've had a lot of podiums and a lot of success up to this point, but never cracked it for a race win. So to, to have a race win and to go one-two with James as... Um, you know, I'm sure JC probably like it the other way, but, um, you know, we've both got a pretty big smile on our face right now. Courtney was also satisfied that the work the team has been doing to improve the cars has been working, particularly when he knows that the better shock package will be available once some problems which dogged the team in the Friday practice session are sorted. Yeah, pretty much that. It's, um, you know, I, I think definitely we're making ground all the time with our cars. Um, it's, um, you know, the cars improve from where we were at... At um, you know Austin, it's just uh, snowballing. We've got some more stuff that's coming, um, engine-wise, hopefully for then as well. So, and all the way up to the Enduros, we've got a few things, um, you know, nice parts that get to be bolted in over the next few rounds. So, uh, hopefully, we can find as good a gain as what we have over the first couple of changes, and uh, you know, really get to the Enduro season, and then we'll be uh, hopefully contending for you know one twos all the time. The Walkinshaw performance results were complete with Ingle in fifth place and Tony Dalberto in the satellite car finishing sixth. Shane Van Gisbergen was the comeback kid after his team caused a drive-through penalty for him on Saturday. The Giz was spun in turn two of lap one on Sunday, but he drove back through the field to finish in third. Pissed off after turn one. We got turned around by uh, someone was a bit ambitious there, so we were backwards at turn one and come through and um, hard tyres was good but then at the safety car we had to stack so we were back to last again but um, on the soft tyre it was awesome we ran tyres that we raced on yesterday which weren't that good but we still had pretty good speed and then um, 
put a, a new set on at the stop and the, the pace was really good. So, um, you know, it was a great job by the guys there with the strategy. We made the right calls and uh, certainly made up for yesterday. Yesterday we should have been a, a podium at least. So I um, was definitely pretty happy to, to be here. We had good speed all weekend. Saturday was Ford's day to shine with Will Davison on the top step of the podium. So, yeah, we're, we're proving to be uh, getting quicker and quicker on all types of circuits and absolutely come endurance time, um, you know, we, we are feeling very confident. Steve Owen's my co-driver and, um, you know, he's doing an awesome job in the DVS today as well. So, um, you know, we've just got to take it a race at a time at the moment. But um, it's good to be a part of this. It's really good. Proud of the team. Frosty grabs some good points with the 1-2 result for the team. Had the chance to win it. If we were good enough, we would have won it. But, um, yeah, we finished second, so that's where we were. Fabian Coulthard also clawed back some points on championship leader Jamie Winkup with a third-place result. Wasn't too disappointed. You know, like, uh, the, way, the way the car handled on its soft tyre was very good, but, you know, our race was pretty much lost on that hard stint early on. The endurance drivers took to the stage on Friday. Greg Murphy spoke about his return to the racetrack for HRT. You know, obviously at a, driving one of the cars at a race meeting this year, which has, has been quite cool to get back in and, and have a bit of a feel. Um, did a few laps a few weeks ago at Winton, uh, not too many, so this is really my first uh, good chance on a, in a race weekend to have a crack at it and uh, enjoyed it. David Russell and Carl Reindler spoke about their experiences in the new generation Jack Daniels car. Oh, look, I'm, I was very excited to, to come up here, get the opportunity. You know, obviously, car of the future. All the other guys have got to drive the cars, you know, months ago. And uh, I've just been sitting there wondering what they were like. And, um, yeah, look, the, the new Nissan is, um, is fantastic to drive. I'm, I'm really happy with how, how the sessions went today. Um, we knew um, that we were down on tyres a little bit um, compared to some of the other competitors and other cars um, in terms of the tyre life. Um, but for me... I was really happy with the fact that I could just keep consistently dropping the lap times down and, in, and keep improving them and keep learning the car, which is going to be the important thing um, to, to get up to speed. Uh, the last time I drove a supercar was at Homebush in December and I've been uh, had itchy feet wanting to get, get in one of these for a long time now. And It's been a busy start to the season, but finally got that opportunity up here in Townsville and um, the thing's just... You know, it's just about on rails out there. I think you know certainly there's some power issues, but there's uh, there's a lot of positive things going on, and I felt right at home straight away. I'd, I'd be pretty comfortable going straight into the enduros with the amount of laps I've had. In the Dunlop series, Steve Owen took two wins with fellow former main game driver Paul Morris taking the reverse race win. But it was Dale Wood with a second place overall gaining the championship lead. It was a Matthew White Motorsport one two in the development series. But the exclusion of five drivers in race two for not following post-race procedures on the back of the Carnageville race, the first time ever the Dunlop series had driven on the soft tyres, was certainly a aspect of the race which no one will forget. Ash Walsh, the series leader going into Townsville, had a disastrous weekend falling from the championship lead. James Warburton, the new CEO of V8 Supercars, has given his first major interview to the Australian Financial Review. In the interview, he spoke about rebuilding the relationship with the teams, improving the series offering to sponsors and television, and to make it a must-have destination for people wanting to get involved in sport in Australia, and his goal of getting V8s onto primetime television.
Here's some of the highlights of what he said in the interview with the Finn Review's John Stansholt. There's enormous opportunity for us to broaden our sport, um, you know, certainly get better commercial outcomes you know, with, with non-automotive brands. Yeah, look, it's a period of consolidation, you know, so the, we do have a number of events up for, up for renewal and, you know, so far they're progressing uh, very well. So we need to make sure that every time we have an event, you know, the quality is exceptional. Uh, you know, think like anything, you know, with consumers cutting back a bit, you know, we've they've stagnated a little. So families will absolutely be in, important, just as ticket pricing, you know, and, and, and everything that we do is, is absolutely crucial. Everyone tells me night racing is not possible, but that, you know, for the economic reasons, but that makes me even more determined to find a way. You know, our product would be spectacular at night. We're in the business of entertainment. You know, anyone that goes to a track, and particularly if they haven't been before, is just surprised you know, with the noise, the speed. It's a balance between event and balance between TV, but we'll be looking at you know, made-for-TV products. The reality is you know, our product needs to be more desirable for the networks, and you know, so we're working on a number of plans. A month into the job, so it's limited conversation, but to talk to them about the approach and to talk to them about the approach that we're taking and the collaborative approach, and that's been very well received. Well, I think that, you know, the teams expect better outcomes from the business and, you know, quite frankly, you know, there's probably areas that we've let them down. And so nothing's off the table, you know, and there's, and there's no sacred cows. A nice homage to the former chairman of the board, Tony Cochran, at the end. Of course, that is James Warburton speaking to the Australian Financial Review last week. On this week's roundtable, Ben Beasley and Tony Whitlock will look back at Townsville. But that's the news on the V8 Insiders brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. That's N-O-B-R-A-C dot com dot au. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. This weekend, following Townsville, we're joined on the roundtable by Tony Whitlock from RaceFacts. Good evening, Tony. Hi there, Craig. And from, well, Fox Sport News, it is Ben Beasley. Ben, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Craig. It's interesting that uh, Townsville, a return to longer races, has seen a real change in who we saw at the top, Ben. Do we think that this will continue now? Well, I don't think it's going to continue next next couple of races because we kind of go back to where we were in that format. You know, if we were all into these longer races together, which, you know, yes, is a season of endurance, you know, you stand down Bathurst and Gold Coast, but, wow, we've just got this big change, but then we sort of step back into the formats that we've had of recent times with the 60-60s on Saturday and the other races on Sunday. So, And also the next race is at Queensland Raceway, which you would figure is probably going to maybe... Uh, help Triple Eight once again sort of find their form again, but 
they didn't just get um, knocked about last weekend. They really took a bit of a, a hammering, you know, of their standards. You know, they would talk about a disappointed weekend being, oh, we only had one car on the podium. Well, um, you know, when you had a look at the, especially the Sunday results and also the results for Jamie Wincup, they were really, really way down until what um, where he's been certainly not just this year but the last few years. It was a very uncharacteristic performance, Tony. Yes, and doesn't it yet again remind us all about how we shouldn't get out of bed for anything less than 200 kilometres? Oh, you've jumped back on that bandwagon. I've never been off the bandwagon, Craig. Oh, I think listeners to the show might have heard you waver a few times. No, 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 I have never said that we shouldn't uh, change, but I said I'm happy to give it a try. I have never believed that the other way was the right way, but uh, we will should try it. Hmm. And that's exactly the, what I've said all along, Craig. Not uh, away from. But um, what it does show is that uh, um, the longer races, that strategy comes into play, and that um, you know not only did Triple uh, Eight uh, miss the window for their and the window now, where we used to talk about um, it was a small window. Now it's that little toilet window. You know the little ones up high that you know people can't get through. That's the size of the setup window for these cars. You miss it by half an inch and you're gone. And the great thing is, of course, that um, while they're working so hard at Triple Eight to get their, stra- their um, setup window right, they couldn't concentrate on their strategy window. Hence, they didn't get either day right. Mm. Of course, I'm wondering if wet tyres in practice and wet tyres in the beginning of qualifying could be anything to do with their problems this weekend uh, wet tyres is all about just making sure the car is running that's all that's making sure it's just not wasting rubber and just rolling around on some black things that stop the metal scraping Ben, your thoughts? Uh, no, I, I, I agree with, with exactly what Tony's saying I thought actually more so on Sunday a couple of interesting things happened in that qualifying session everybody now of course goes out, does a banking lap, and then they wait till the end to put out, you know, to come out. Well, there was a, a stoppage in the session which sort of mixed things up a little bit at the end. And because Triple Eight wait till the very end, it added that extra little bit of pressure that you know, you know, to jump up the board, and and then it didn't happen. The other thing to me also that what happened in that race and was that because Triple Eight weren't out front. And everybody, so many other teams follow what Triple Eight does. Well, they didn't come in, so they went, oh, it looks like, you know, to me, oh, they're not going to come in, this is the wrong thing to do. And then the teams that did pick it, and, uh, you know, HRT picked it on the, on the, right on the money. And within three laps of that race restarting, you know, 80% of the pit lane just looked at themselves and went, oh, we've buggered this up, you know. And HRT, HRT looked like Triple Eight, which... <laughs> You know, they probably won't want to say that, but, you know, they, they just they completely read the race the way they needed it to, got off the hard tyre, onto the soft tyre, and then when Garth had to make his... Garth and, and, um, and had to make their last stops, of course, they had to make an, another stop, but their last stop was so short it never mattered. Mm. You know, you only had to put enough fuel in to get to the end. Tony? Yeah, well, look, one of the things that, that both of you probably wouldn't be aware of, because you're not looking in bits of paper like I do is that, because I'm a paper person, not that bloody plastic screen, you know, rubbish, um, is that uh, Triple Eight were only one race place away 
from having four top ten for a weekend. But you see, when you're a good team, or no, sorry, when you're a great team, when you're not on the podium, it's a shit weekend. So they're only one place away from having four top tens, which most teams in this category say, that was a good weekend. But of course they don't. See, they came away with a four, a seventh, and a seventh and eleventh. Most teams say, that's a pretty good weekend. But not in Triple Eight land, of course. Mm. Not when they're aiming for the very top. And that is the difference where Roland has drawn the line of acceptable performance, Ben. It's top three. It's not top five. It's not top ten. It's top three. And so whilst they're achieving that regularly, everything seems fine. When they don't achieve that, it sounds like the wheels are falling off, but the wheels weren't really falling off. They just missed the window by a fraction. Exactly. And because they were having to concentrate on trying to get their setup, which they didn't have, because the window is so small for these cars, because it is just so difficult to make sure that you do get it right, so they couldn't concentrate on the strategy. And they don't have an engineering, you know, a massive engineering degree. One of the things you see about HRT was they had four cars, they all went with the same strategy on Sunday, and guess what? All four of them got up there. Mm, yeah, of course. They all sit in the one room, the four of them, four engineers and the four data guys, they all sit in the one room, and that's what they came up with, and then bloody hell it worked. <laughs> ben? Well, no, it, it, it is absolutely spot on. I think even the more... You know, you had a look at HRT's weekend at the start, you know, suspension problems. Even on the Saturday, oh, sorry, the Sunday morning or the Sunday lunchtime qualifying, you know, Ingle spat one out the side of the car and then he still literally, you know, he came through in the race as well. So, and Alberto up there, I mean, you know, these are all Walkinshaw stable cars, which, you know, quite amazing. Like, uh, and probably when teams look, oh, who, who, who are the danger guys? They, they just, you know, it's been a long time since I think a lot of other teams have said, have spoken about HRT being a danger team. But now they're there. Momentum is a great thing to have, you know, whether that continues at the next race. They've certainly been going to, a, it's been a long time since they've been going to a, another race meeting with their tails up, that's for sure. Mm. Now, we've talked Triple Eight, we've talked HRT. FPR had a 1-2 finish on the Saturday and uh, perhaps we need to talk about that because... Uh, they didn't have a pit stop that screwed up, which uh, is almost as amazing as the result. I think the FPR performance on oh, Saturday, sorry. yeah, yeah, was was the one where you, where um, the, the race ran green all the way, so they had their strategy right. They did yeah. do very good pit stop, solid, great car speed, cars that clearly were not just fast but looked after their tyres. The great scenario. I mean, um, not taking anything away, they had very good qualifying. They had very good race pace, had a great start, good pit stops. You know what? That's why you get a one-two. If you have one of those things I've just mentioned not right, then that's when you start to flick down the order. So you've got to have everything working for you. And when it really does work, as that team showed, one-two. And then, uh, whereas on Sunday, HRT more called the right strategy, but they had very good cars in the race as well. Mm. So, you know, the uh, FPR thing... If the race was totally green again on Sunday, would have they gone 1-2? Maybe. And then that's, uh, they thought they would have obviously had some pace to come through the field at one stage, but um, you know, it didn't happen on Sunday. But on Saturday, you know, they, were, they were terrific. Except for the only thing that went wrong was Will Davison's donuts when he hit the wall. So you know, that was um, 
the only thing that went wrong. Clearly a good day, actually a very good weekend in terms of their, you know, Will and Frosty sort of making their way back into this championship. The other thing too about how these points work is, you know, each race last weekend, because there was only two, you know, they paid a lot more points. Whereas when we were in places like Texas where they had four races, you know, Fabian's win in one of those races was worth, you know, half as much as one of the races on the weekend, you know. So if you can start to bank really good points in the big races, you know, Jamie Winkup has said all along, you know, and it, you kind of get sick of hearing it, but he's absolutely spot on. Now, those endurance races like, you know, Bathurst, you know, pays the 300 points for the race. And until he's over 300 points or well in the, in the clear of 300 points in the lead, you know, that's not going to happen. You know, he had points taken away from him on the weekend in terms of the championship chase. So, and they were taken away by, you know, his, his um, combatants from Ford Performance Racing. So, you know, if in these big races Ford Performance Racing can really um, continue to score good points over Triple Eight, you know, it's, it's going to tighten things up. Mm. And, and, of course, uh, just touching on the gears, fantastic drive. We've always known he's quick. We've always known that he is uh, skillful. Uh, but the way he was able to slice his way through the field was remarkable. Yeah, they didn't. They haven't been screwing up the pit stops all that. They've had a change in, in personnel, but more than anything, there was a change, a miscommunication, which meant that there was a last-minute change from one car coming in. That was a, originally 19 was coming in first, and then it was Giz, and that, that's part of what happened. And then another small part of it was the fact that... Um, uh, putting it bluntly, the refueler didn't actually uh, as perceptive as he should have been, and that uh, a filter tyres didn't actually uh, happen. So they messed up and they messed up badly. And so what should have been it was going to be a win for Shane, absolutely no shadow of a doubt. He had speed, absolute speed to burn, and it was going to be his win. But it didn't happen. But the great thing was he came from 28th. To third, and that was, you know, an astounding thing. And the team is certainly the best of those without, you know, major uh, factory backing. Absolutely, and a little bit of fire in the belly, clearly, because he got turned around on the first corner, you know, in that second race. Also, fire in the belly from the situation on Saturday where Tony mentioned before he was the quickest guy out there, you know, goes out. And I guess what we didn't really see on the weekend was, I mean, FPR... Probably was, was, I mean, I think Frosty, probably Tony would have scored the most points from the weekend, that sort of thing. Um, but Shane, you know, on his day, and when I say on his day, and when the car's right, and uh, almost you've got to throw the, you know, throw down the gauntlet, he's going to have a go. That's the great thing about watching the guy drive. He has a go. He's, you know, he'd be one of those guys who, when he's up behind you, there's no second guessing, well, geez, what's he going to do here? He's coming. <laughs> All in all, what did we learn out of the weekend, Tony? Oh, right. Sorry, I'm awake again. Right. Um, what did we learn at the weekend? Um, that there are a number of teams who don't split strategies, that just uh, go uh, follow the line for both of them. That's what HRT, uh, Jaws did, and then FBR did that as well, just follow the same strategy. And there are others like Triple Eight and... Uh, and the Jack Daniels and the Norton and Brad Jones, that they split strategies and send their two cars off in different directions, which is interesting. Um, what else did we learn the weekend? Gosh, Townsville was a really good event. A really good event. And where it starts, of course, is a really great track. Well, we'll touch on the future of a number of races and a, a bit more 
right after the break here on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I am Alex on Prema from the Fujitsu JRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Craig Ravel, joined by Ben Beasley and Tony Whitlock. And, well, you mentioned about Townsville being a really good track. I don't know if you put Sydney and Gold Coast up there as a really good track, but I don't mind the shorter Gold Coast track at all. But uh, it looks like that uh, the incoming CEO, James Warburton, is looking to lock up those three street races, particularly in his first few months of taking over the reins, Ben. And uh, interestingly, his first major interview was with the Financial Review, not with the Motor Racing Scribes. Yeah, well, he's he's obviously known within the business world, having worked, um, first of all, uh, he was one of the sales executives with, with the Seven Network, highly regarded, and then taken on as CEO at Channel 10. So he has this pro, like a, a very high profile come out of the Channel 10 situation and into V8 supercars and obviously taking a very different approach of how to look at things. Uh, one of the uh, interesting parts I heard in his interview in regards to where does um, you know the V8 supercar landscape fit in the sporting sense because they're not going to get a billion dollars like cricket or um, your football codes. But he was very... Um, he saw a very good uh, opportunity for V8 Supercars to do a better job in a commercial sense with obviously there's a lot of commercial partners within the business and the teams and and making sure that they could make it all work together. So um, a very different, uh, I think more a holistic approach as opposed to say David Malone who was in there to do the TV deal and he didn't do that. So this guy's a little bit um, uh, more of a holistic approach of trying to look at things like that doesn't say everything's rosy and perfect in V8 supercars and says there's things that need to be people uh, they need to look at to improve uh, put on a better show um, and actually work with the TV stations uh, with, with the networks and uh, see how you know they can get um, a better I, I guess better return for uh, their TV packages and things like that one of the things I love Tony was he's a man who obviously knows the history of V8 supercars because one of his best quotes was, there are no sacred cows in this sport. Yes, well, that's interesting. I, I hadn't realised he had been interviewed. Where, where did this run? Financial Review, and they had the video of it on their website, which uh, there's a link on the V8 Insiders website for that interview. Oh, OK. Uh, yeah, I hadn't met him yet. Uh, we had a, a brief word on... Uh well, I haven't met him yet. We haven't sat down and talked. I've briefly met him. Yes, I think he's uh, taken a long time to, to get a decent uh, Wayne Caddick replacement, but he's as close as I've come. And um, I rather like his email address. It's War Jones. By the way, I don't think you'd pronounce it Warburton. It's Warburton, I think you'd uh, pronounce Craig. Oh, well, it wouldn't be like me to get a name pronunciation wrong. 
No, no, no. Um, yeah, look, I'm encouraged, and uh, as are most of the team owners who I've spoken to, and a good number of other people, um, that uh, he's the right man for the job and he's bringing up the right subjects. But, you know, I mean, they've got to get. I, I spoke to uh, quite a number of uh, the public there, you know, hearing stories like Jim Stone telling me that motor racing friends of his at Austin saw one. Uh, 100k race uh, in Austin the left. They thought it was boring. Um, that you know they have to get the teams involved in all these events, and that is making them team races, not just sprint races. Um, so you know, I, I I think he's the right man. I hope he's going to make the right decisions. Mm. And he's also flagging that their supercars need to look at twilight. And he said, interestingly, he Ben he's been told that. Twilight racings are unfeasible, but he believes that there is a justifiable uh, business model that can work the costs of putting it on up against the returns it could potentially bring the sport. Well, the only way Twilight the only way Twilight races work is if these races are run in summer, and I think that's definitely an item on the agenda. The uh, is it going to happen? I'm not saying it's going to happen, but they definitely must be looking at it. Because twilight races in the summer absolutely can work. You can run uh, in the southern states uh, in Melbourne. Imagine down in Tassie, it doesn't get dark down there until nearly 10 o'clock at night. So you could run a, a you could run a race from 7:30 in the evening. Be quite pleasant, you know. You don't have to run at night. And then you can go over to Perth and you could run it at five o'clock local time because that would be eight o'clock summertime on the east coast. So, and when I say summertime, don't forget part six months of our year is in daylight saving hours. So even if you just move uh, some of the races more towards, you know, the very start of the year and then the end of the year, this does open up a whole opportunity. And the other thing that opens up is there's no football. So the whole thing about why are some states getting it on 7-8, well, if you get out of the football season, they will all be on Channel 7. So there's the opportunity that people are now pro- are identifying and it's not such a bad idea. Do we have to go and put lights up at all these circuits? Of course not. But even as Grand Prix in Melbourne has shown, you can run things a little later in the day and it starts to fit into these better time schedules for better advertising when the network can um, ask for higher advertising rates. Of course that's why he's looking at it and it makes sense. Mm. And of course we saw with the Grand Prix this year, Tony, that uh, they were prepared even to stay with the event longer even if there was rain on the track and they were just trying to get the event on. Yes, yes indeed, yes. Any thoughts on night racing, twilight racing and the like? Oh, I have no problem with it. I, yeah, yeah, go, go on. What works will work, you know, so we think, uh, give it a try. One thing I'm sure the fans will love is an a move from August for Winton. I think November last year was successful, and with those guys camping in the middle of August, they're going to much prefer being there in a better time of year. Yeah, yeah, and look, it makes sense to get away from football. We all know in Australia that, you know, whatever code it is, it just takes up so much air time that why fight it? Why not go in a time of the year when you're only up against cricket? And they certainly don't uh, uh, have a, a major problem with uh, going up against cricket. Mm. Well, guys. And the other thing, the other thing too. Sorry, Craig. Is that what 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 does Channel Seven have over the summer months sport-wise? They've got the Australian Open tennis into January. That's really about it. Which you might say, well, we can get have January off. You know, I think it can it, it could work. And uh, 
if people, you know, want to be flexible and open their eyes to it, you know, why not try it? The opportunity to me, which is quite exciting, is, hey, imagine a Friday night race. Wow, how cool would that be? Mm, and certainly Friday gets... Some... Night foot, Friday night football is the, is the king event of the weekend schedule of football matches, whether that's AFL or rugby league. So if you get a Friday night V8 supercars under the, you know, under the twilight or a little bit of light, that'd be pretty cool. Mm. Well, certainly interesting times ahead. Tony Whitlock and Ben Beasley, always a pleasure to get you here on the show. All right, remember, Craig, we don't get out of bed for any less than time That's right. <laughs> ben, <laughs> thanks for your time as well. I don't get out of bed for any, any less than $200,000, Tony, so there you go. Oh, here we go. Naomi Beasley. <laughs> <laughs> the white flag is up next here on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, brought to you by Munro Shock Absorbers, Mark Winterbottom and Will Davison talked about their hopes that Ford will continue to support V8 supercars into the future. Oh, absolutely. I think it doesn't just benefit us and FBR. I think it benefits the whole category. So um, I think it's very important that they remain in the category. I think it benefits all of us. So um, it's such a big part of the history of um, our sport and you know, the fan base, I don't know what it is, 50% blue or whatever you want to call it. So whatever the model is, you know, that's what we tell people. People forget that there were Sierras and uh, all sorts of other models over the years, Mustangs and Falcons. So whatever it is, um, I'm sure the fan base will still come out and support us. Well, I think, you know, it's obviously um, the team's negotiating at the, at the moment, but, um, you know, there's a lot more to it than just winning races, I guess. The marketing tools that Pete and all their commercial um, team try and push so um, you know but it's, it's important for Ford to get results I guess in terms of this time of year but it's not the be all end all but when you see the fans on the side of the track there are so many blue flags on that inlet one two it means more to them than anything um, if, they keep, if they go and buy some more cars that uh, might help keep the, the blue oval on the, on the, uh, the badge on the front but it was nice to see the, the blue oval fans they really needed that um, you know we've had cars separate at, at different weekends but a 1-2 is a pretty dominant um, performance for the team and that was a good invite, that was uh, great to see all the blue flags it was really cool. That's all we have time for this week's show as the checker flag waves over another edition my thanks to Ben Beasley and Tony Whitlock, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au 